0: This is Wildcat Country. It's
1: only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. It's up for the end zone. zone. Arizona has scored the touchdown. Wildcats win. Let's go to work, Cat. welcome to another edition of wildcat country eric cohen and shane dale and you know we had it good for a while things were very easy a lot of wins everything like that shane and then uh lately it's been uh it's been a struggle uh the men's team is uh not that's not been great uh let's
0: be honest the basketball team was never supposed to lose again and the football team was supposed to never lose again i mean they haven't lost technically yet but they did lose their coach yeah and, and so and players you know, yeah. Players. yeah, I mean, everything is fine. Like, it's fine to vicariously live through 19 and 20 year old kids as long as they keep winning and stay. And as and they would just do that, we wouldn't have any problems. But they only think of themselves, don't they? You know, that's
1: why we do this show. Uh, people say, people have asked me, you know, why why do you do Wildcat Country? It's cathartic. You know, uh, when, when there are losses, we can suffer with each other, right? And when there are wins, we can celebrate with each other. And I think that's the fun part about doing the show with you and, and interacting yeah. with people on on Twitter or the YouTube comments or whatever in between you know
0: and then we and when we win I can continue to be a wet blanket which everyone loves and
1: appreciates. I think we're all excited to hear about your wet blanketness presumably wet blanketness. Uh, when yes I just made up a term. So the new uh Big 12 football schedule for 2024 came out today and Shane and I will talk about it but we will also be joined by our friend Blair Willis he used to work in the athletic department he can Speak on a lot of different topics. Uh, so really curious to get his feedback in segment number two. But let us start with our um first segment, the first part of our first
0: segment, and that is uh, Shane's standouts slash grievances. What do you got? That's uh, going to be a real short list this week. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we have other other sports we can talk about, but you know, er- everyone's talking about uh, obviously Caleb Love's performance uh, against against uh, Oregon, and and for good reason, but. Shout out to Kylan Boswell, because at least for this game, he was back. And I have been adamant on social media and otherwise saying that as Kylan Boswell goes, so yep. goes this team. I mean, you right. look at the, the two yep. games that Arizona, uh, the previous two Arizona losses at Washington State, at Oregon State. Do you know how many total points he had in those games? Zero. Big fat zero. He had yep. five five points combined in their three co- conference losses. All he has to do is you know get double digits, shoot reasonably well not turn the ball over pretty contribute on both sides of all, but, and, and they win. It, it really, I mean, I know that there's more to it than that. You know, certainly three point defense is a problem. I saw the stat that they're like, I think the eighth worst team in the pac 12 on defense and road games so far this year. Hmm, that's uh, good to know. Yeah. Free, yeah. Free throw shooting. That's comforting. Yeah. yeah. Free throw shooting overall has been a problem. So they, they have other issues, you know, switching out on, on defense and everything, but they can overcome a lot of deficiencies as long as Kylan Boswell plays well. And and so so he is going to be my my lone standout for the week because and in an effort in hopes that we send some him some good vibes and he keeps it rolling.
1: Boy, I'll tell you that dude for Oregon State uh on Thursday night looked like Steph Curry hitting fadeaway threes. Listen, I mean that, that loss to Oregon State's inexcusable. We're not gonna sit here and defend it. Uh, but they were down nine with, you know, three and a half minutes left. Somehow tied the game and then, you know, gave up. It wasn't like it was bad defense. Dude hit a Curry-like shot, and that's why he was the national player of the week, because he was great against the Arizona schools. So uh, there's no excuse, though. It was a terrible loss. But we're going to start talking football, and this is By Yourself, presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. Go to IceShaker.com. Use promo code WildcatCountry, capital W, capital C, and get $5 off your first purchase. By the way, when you do so, check out the post-purchase survey. Yep. Mention Wildcat Country, and Shane and I will be very, very happy that you did so. So uh, we'll stick with that. All right. Uh, Tuesday here when we're recording, earlier in the day, the Big 12 schedule makers put out a schedule, uh, including Arizona's uh, Shane, number one, the Big 12 schedule makers did Arizona solid this season with the exception of, uh, I would say, the two Utah road games in a three-week span in October, Um, late late September, early October.
0: I don't know. I'm kind of... I- iffy on it i mean that they, they i mean we already knew that they avoided you know some of the actual tougher teams in the conference uh oklahoma state and the and the kansas schools You know, we have to th- include kansas as a tougher team now which is kind of crazy to think about but here we are kansas and arizona are both good at football at least they were last season yeah uh, and they have you know they have the the two buys in there so uh yeah. they're getting the the week, week zero game against uh, against new mexico uh, no it's actually not
1: week zero it's, it's not a week not. zero game they're it's, getting two buys anyway yeah, there's an extended season. There's more regular season weeks. Okay, every so every few years it happens this way.
0: So no, there, there's no week zero. Oh, it match shows up. how much I'm paying attention. Okay, well, they get two buys regardless. Uh, one thing I don't like, and it's something that um, I think Blair Willis, our, our soon-to-be guest, uh, noted, is that um, he likes to look at the teams like the week before and the week after for every team that Arizona plays. And three of them, three of the teams Arizona plays get get a buy before they play Arizona. Then and, and that, so that's kind of tough. You know, I think both the, the I don't.
1: I think that's an overrated stat, or an overrated fact. I don't know. I, 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 don't know. I, I would have to see, and, and maybe Blair will know, but I, I don't know it offhand. Does that really make a difference? I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It
0: would be interesting to go dive in statistically and, and see that because yeah, we talk know. about, oh, they're fresh, they're coming off a buy, but does it really make a difference? I suspect it does at least a little bit. Um, but not, that, that's a fair point. And the other observation I'll just make real quick is um, I think we just assumed that Arizona ASU would continue to be the last game of the season, but it was confirmed, which was good. Uh, that it will continue to be the final game of the regular season, which I think it should. You and I have discussed this before. I know you're not as big on that. Um, I would prefer that it, w- it would be a, be on a, the day after Thanksgiving as opposed to yeah, two I days agree. after. Uh, you know what, but, Shane?
1: I'll be honest with you. I, I hate to hate to agree with you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I thought the same thing. I, I looked at it and I was kind of depressed—not uh, depressed, but like bummed—that it was on a it was on a Saturday. I was really hoping yeah. it'd be on a Friday. So yeah, I'm with yeah. you there. That's good. Yeah. That's a good. Take. But
0: yeah. I, but you know, my preference is Friday during the day, the second best Saturday during the yeah. day. That would be a day game. There's no, I mean, you're going to have football in the state of Arizona in November, put it during the day, please.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I would rather it not be a night game. You know, listen, I love to watch Michigan, Ohio state or whatever rivalry games are on. I, I I'd rather it not be a cold night game. It'll probably be a mid afternoon game. Once again, especially if Arizona is, is ranked at the time. All right. Let's speaking of that, Shane, uh, I went and gave a a brief analysis uh, on Twitter of my record predictions. I said, all right, best case scenario, not including, you know, assuming no good injury health, you know, no, no big players hurt for a while. Arizona goes 10 and 2. I think the road trips at Kansas State, at Utah, at UCF is concerning. TCU, if they bounce back and there's always a random home game. So I I would say, you know, in there.
0: That's right. They, uh, you, they do gonna, play Kansas state. I was thinking com- they played, they got the non-conference at Kansas state. So they do have to yeah. go to Kansas for that one.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, but that game, you know, for the, for the most part doesn't really affect Arizona's standing in the big 12 this year. I, it's dumb. Yeah, that it could, could affect college football that. playoff
0: ranking if it comes down to it.
1: it okay. Fair. Um, with that said, all right. So best case, 10 and two, Arizona wins, you know, all their games at home loses two games at home, on the road. Fair enough. I think that it worst case scenario, seven and five, you know, maybe there's some injuries and whatnot. But I think this schedule sets up for at least seven wins. I think realistic, uh, eight and four. Uh, I think, you know, you're going to lose some games on the road. You'll probably lose a game you shouldn't at home and and you get eight wins. And, you know, we're somewhat happy, I guess, all things considered, in the first year of the Brent Brennan era. You probably will disagree with that. Go for it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I I think between well the two things that concern me. First of all, I'll just say, again, I think the Brent Brennan hire was, was a good one. I think mm-hmm. he's done a great job retaining a lot of talent from last season. I think he's brought a, in a good coaching staff, which I know we'll talk about. Um, but there are two big things that, that concern me. Number one is all the talent they've lost on defense. On offense, okay. they, they've retained a lot. You know, Jonah mm-hmm. Coleman was the big loss there, and then, and then some guys are graduating, which you know there's nothing to do about that. Uh, but he, offensively, that they're going to retain a lot of the same guys, and they're going to be in pretty good shape at the offensive line, at quarterback, at, at wide receiver. Uh, we'll see about tailback. On defense, You'll, they'll be
1: fine. You can find running backs, Shane. I mean, yeah. uh, come on. Let's. Uh, Jonah, not gonna...
0: I, I agree, but Jonah Coleman was special last year. He was good, he was. but you still seven you yards know, a carry.
1: Okay, but fine. I'll give you that. But he didn't. I don't think he did much in the in the Alamo Bowl, and he still won the game anyways.
0: No, that, that's true. I'm not saying he's irreplaceable. I'm just saying that it's a loss. But overall, and they used enough, two
1: games, same thing. Yeah. All,
0: all right, all right. Just, just, just oh, relax. Okay. okay all, right, all right. All right. On the defensive side, they've lost a lot, and, and uh-huh. they lost a lot of depth already before Jetfish left. And they've lost even more since then um, on the defensive line and uh, uh, the cornerback position, the defensive line, we saw, you know, trading Stooks and, and Gunnar Maldonado and Dalton Johnson announced they're coming back, but they've mm-hmm. lost a lot. And, and I think that Arizona, not just their starters, but their, their, their depth, their reserves on defense um, helped build that unit uh, tremendously. So they're not going to have to do a full rebuild, but a pretty big re- rebuild on the defensive side of the ball, which, Hey, okay. strong on offense, weak on defense. They fit in perfectly with a big 12. The other concern of mine is just, it's more than infinite and tangible. And I think it's just going to take a little bit of time to, for this, the players and the staff to get to know each other. This is a completely different staff uh, and the staff gets, needs to get to know them and vice versa. And there's, it's going to take time to do that. It, and so the chemistry of the team is just an unknown, you know, it wasn't going to okay. be an issue with Fish return. So all those things considered, I, I think. G- give, the, the me, really give me, concerns your, me. Give me your
1: worst case, your best case, and your realistic.
0: Oh, I mean, I look a best case if everything comes together and and they they land some great uh, players in the transfer portal, which they still can the next time around. Then I I guess I'm with you at ten wins at best, absolute okay. best. Okay, case. best case. Okay, but I think I think the floor is a lot lower. I I think worst case things can fall apart and they win maybe five games. Oh I wow! Would, I would say I would put them at maybe seven right now, maybe eight. I I think, and I even think that's optimistic. And I'm I'm I guess I'm also just being careful because, and this has nothing to do with the current team, but it's just how I think when Rich Rodriguez uh, was fired and Kevin Sumlin was brought in, I thought they were going to have a great first year with Kevin someone because they brought back a lot of talent on that team. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought they might win nine games and they won it on in one five. And I think the transition was part of that issue. You know, it's going from the, you know, in your face, Rich Rodriguez to more of a laid back Kevin someone and his staff, I think was kind of a shock to the team system. That's what concerns me a little bit about this team. Plus just all the guys they've lost on defense. And until, I'm. I feel confident that they've replenished the the roster on defense. I'm not prepared to be quite as optimistic as you are. All right. So
1: obviously, is not built in here. Um, yeah. you, you know, if there if there's bad injury luck, all right, it's one thing. You know, obviously, if Fafita goes down, T Mac goes down, whatnot. I still think this team. I, I think the expectations from some fans are just unrealistic. I think right now, considering the coaching change, as you mentioned, Shane, um, to say that Arizona is going to go win ten games automatically or go twelve and zero, I. I At this point in time, as the roster stands, I I don't think it's fair to say that. I think an eight-win team, if Arizona won eight games and was a true contender in the Big 12 to make the championship game until the end of the season, I think that that's fine. I'm not going to complain about that. I I mean, this was – unfortunately, if Arizona had a chance uh, this year with the Pac-12 – uh, you know, if the South Division didn't, uh, you know, if they if they didn't get rid of divisions, Arizona's playing Washington in the Pac-12 Championship game, and we're going to see what they're made of. Yeah. But at this point in time, I expect an eight-win season. Uh, if assuming good health, if Arizona fails to win eight games next year with this schedule, I'm
0: disappointed. I'll tell you Another what. Another thing. I'll, yeah. No, I just want to mention real quick that their their opening conference game at Utah. That's good. to I mean, be it's huge. tough. And we're going to learn right, a lot about that team going in. But yep. but
1: Shane, you you look at the schedule this year. I mean you had that you had that murderers row obviously you started with Stanford oh, yeah. and then you you played Washington USC at you know it was at USC at Washington State then you had I mean you had six ranked teams in a row at mm-hmm. one point in the year then Colorado mm-hmm. fell off Washington State obviously yeah. ended up not being that good but I mean this was this this schedule on paper is significantly significantly worse than what Arizona faced this
0: year. No it's not good. it's not doesn't look terribly daunting but again it's those it's less the schedule and more the the concerns I have, you know, both in in intangibles and otherwise with this team that that have me a little less optimistic than than you are going into.
1: All right, fair, fair. The other thing about the schedule I want to talk about the teams on it. When you look at it from the eye test, it's just yeah. not. It just doesn't stand. I mean, we can all agree. Like you're missing the USC's, UCLA's, Oregon's. There's nobody on here where you're like, I gotta be at this. West Virginia game, even though it'll probably be homecoming. I, I mean, Colorado, maybe if you want to see Dion and Tucson uh, and and ASU, of course. I'll, but like, there's nobody that is like, oh my gosh, what an incredible opponent, you know?
0: Yeah, well, that, and that's true. But on the flip side, there's, you know, when we talked about this um, before the schedule was released and when Jed Fish was still the head coach, there's no one in that schedule where you look at and think Arizona can't beat. I, and I still think that's true. I mean, it, there, you look at every. If Arizona is as good as I think they're going to be, or at least as good as you think they're going to be, there's no reason they they, they won't have a chance to win every single game on that schedule. The Utah game, I think, is probably the, the the toughest on the outside looking in. Then maybe the Kansas State game after that. But I understand what you're saying, though. But with that said, I mean, Arizona's attendance last year was all, I mean, the Washington game sold out, and I think that was it. You know, the, the not even the UCLA game sold out.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously attendance is going to be tough, especially if they're going to raise prices up the up mm-hmm. the wazoo. And we don't know yeah. what that, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like. I haven't seen my season ticket renewal, which I probably will hear soon. You know, how much is how much are things going to go up? The team was good, but then you lost your head coach. Yeah. So you had this great momentum. And, and while well, you've kept some of it while keeping your players, you've also lost others. So can you charge a, a premium for those tickets? I, let me see what that is, and we'll talk about that. You know, and I because I haven't seen them. Maybe they are raising the prices, whatnot, and we'll go to that. All right. Uh, number two, Shane. Based on seeing how uh, Brent Brennan uh, assembled his coaching staff, uh, the new coaching staff is more impressive on paper than the last.
0: Um, maybe in terms of like overall college resume, maybe. Um, I, I think the big advantage of the, of the previous staff. Number one, I think that uh, there was a good deal of NFL experience on there, and number two, I. I, I think he had, you're gonna keep Dwayne and you had to make him the defensive coordinator. I get that. Yeah. But I kind of liked him more in the role that he was in before. I, I think he was more valuable in that role. I don't I don't know I'm not sold on him as a defensive coordinator. I think it was a good move. Hmm. I, I like it. Interesting. Well, I just I, I feel like his, his first run as defensive coordinator, Arizona, was just it was just okay. You know, he wasn't the DC when during the the, uh, the, the desert swarm era, it was after that. So I feel like he might be a little bit better suited in the in this previous role. So that concerns me a little bit. Uh, but certainly you have a, a lot of experience. He, he has a lot Brennan has a lot of guys he's, he he knows, he's been able to bring with him from San Jose State and the guys he's worked with previously, on you know, both both coordinators, obviously. Um so oh, no overall I like it. I like what he's done, but I, mm-hmm. I think that... Jed Fish put together a great staff of guys who could just go out and sell, sell, sell the program. And and until I see that with these guys, it's kind of hard for me to put them on par with that group. Okay. So
1: from a recruiting standpoint, you're right. I think Jed Fish's staff was better. You had guys that were hungrier. I think, with this particular staff you have the head coach of former head coach of syracuse former arizona assistant he understands what it takes to win here mm-hmm. dino babers i think yep. he's a he's a he's a big time football mind, yep. and a great hire and i think danny gonzalez former asu defensive coordinator yeah. san diego state defensive coordinator uh new mexico head coach you know maybe not a great head coach but he's a great assistant to yeah. Dwayne Aquina out, out there so i, I really True. like i think the staff is older um, and, and you got Zoe Carter, who's, you know, the running backs coach who's known as an excellent recruiter. You know, uh, Jed, Jed really busted it as far as recruiting went. like Jed, Jed was phenomenal at that and selling the program. I, I, it's going to be hard for this staff to do that. With that said, they have to get in in certain, they have to get a pipeline like Jed did with the Servite kids. And, and that, that's the reason Arizona is as good as they are. You got Fafita, McMillan, Manu, uh, those three guys right there are the reason Arizona is as good as they are. Uh, no. Quite simply. And so you, you have to find that pipeline. So I think from a recruiting perspective, I don't expect Arizona to be maybe as accomplished as Jed Fish was. With that said, I think as far as X's and O's, I don't think like Jed, and we talked about this, Shane. I didn't think Jed Fish
0: calling plays was like a savant. Yeah. I think he was a very good play caller. I think he wasn't quite as smart as he thought he was. I, I agree. Uh, and, and and I, think, I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I
1: think you you nailed it right there. It's a good take.
0: Yeah, I, I think especially the first season, he was calling plays in the first year he was at Arizona when they went 11. He was calling plays for guys who weren't nearly as talented as the guys he had on the field, thinking that they could pull it off. And then later on, he he started getting there. He started. He still got too cute sometimes. Uh, you know, trying to do these trick plays that he did absolutely didn't need to throw in. Um, I you know I think it's fair still to be critical of him for that decision on that two-point play against USC to run the ball but you know it, it's hard to second guess how about everything. not how about not go
1: for two to win the game earlier yeah. I mean that that I, I mean if Arizona wins that game Shane Arizona's 10 yeah. and two and they're they're in a New Year six bowl game I mean that was one play it came down to one play. Yeah. Not to tie the game, but to win the game.
0: I, I agree. No, I agree with you 100. It was the same thing as the the Oregon game back in 2009. So yeah, in terms of play calling, I don't think Arizona. I'm I'm not terribly concerned about that. I think Arizona's going to be fine in that regard. Um, but in terms of recruiting, we'll have to see. And I, I think one of the big selling points again is the, the come to Arizona and we'll help you get to the NFL. We'll help you be a higher draft pick. We'll help you be a draft pick. You know, we'll you'll you'll get to hear from uh, from some of the best coaches in the country who Jed has connections to, uh, and. Brent Brennan and his staff just don't have that, at least not yet. And so that that's not that selling point. You can you can now sell thanks partly to Jed Fish and his staff. You can sell the idea that you can come and win there at Arizona, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a big deal. But I think that really is secondary for most college athletes who are are want to go somewhere where they can they can be trained up to, to play at the next level, which I think is totally fair. And I think Jed Fisher staff definitely had an advantage, at least at this point, over Brent Brennan's staff. All right. This one,
1: you're probably going to roll your eyes when I mean, obviously, you've seen the questions in advance. But I think those of you out there probably are thinking like me, Um, a bonus football question that you will root against Washington next year more than ASU. Or I guess as long as Jed and players like Prysock uh, are there and Prysock with the buy my jerseys. Oh, yeah, I'm leaving anyways. Doesn't really matter. That was not a great look. I, yeah. I wish him well, but it's hard to root for him. After
0: that, I thought it was a garbage move. Well, let's talk about that for just a second because, yeah, he, he goes out and pedals his Arizona jersey knowing he mm. was on his way out and then yeah. announces it a couple of days later. Then he says something about, oh, by the way, I don't make any money off of that. A day or two after that, well, first of all, someone pointed out that it even says online NIL jersey. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's number one. And then a couple of days after that, uh, Leaf Magnuson, offensive lineman, goes out and says, you buy my Jersey and hundred percent of the proceeds for the next, however long are going to go to a children's hospital so, class act class yeah. act, which yeah. tells you that he's seen some of that money. So that was just a, I mean, it was a classless thing for him to do. And then he lied about it. The Friesen's price yeah. lock is what I'm talking about. So, yeah. so I don't begrudge him the, 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 the opportunity to go play somewhere else. He wants to do that. That's just fine. Um, but he did, he, I think was absolutely classless on the way out. Um, with that said, um, I, I would, I I would take a certain satisfaction in Washington, not doing well. Yeah, absolutely. I would. Um, I, and, and with ASU, it's like, I'm, I'm officially not, I'm not an ASU hater. I never have been. Look, when it comes to the rivalry, I want to be the best. I want to have the best program in the state. I want to beat them like Matt. I want to beat them in the, in territorial cup. Don't get me wrong, but I don't have that disdain we can wick out for asu like some fans do so i'm not but i also am not going to put washington on par with that yes i i will take some satisfaction if if washington does not do well and or if he does well they do well and he leaves after one year i would probably enjoy that just as much all Um, right but i wouldn't put it on par with the asu rivalry oh i see i now listen I,
1: i i somewhat agree with you here asu is still my least favorite uh school in the country i think i think most of you would agree with that but if washington isn't number two especially this year I'm just saying I there's none I would be if you're rooting for Washington this year and and wish them well, let us know. I mean, put it in the YouTube comments and put it on X and say, you know what? I hope Jed does well at Washington because I'm not there. I hope he loses. And I hope, uh, you know, I don't wish anybody ill will. I just don't want him to win games. Yeah, that's all. He got his money. Great. Um, And I want him to leave for Florida. I think it'd be funny. So I, 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 I will agree. be rooting yeah, against I Washington. Agree. I don't care who's playing Washington, I will be rooting against them. And, and fortunately, they don't play ASU. So I I won't have to worry about that. And I doubt ASU will make a bowl game. So I won't have to think about that. But as far as it goes, ASU at the bottom, Washington one step above. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh basketball. Uh Shane, we we've talked about the the UConn last year with they lost six of eight in January and then you know figured it out and won the national championship. So uh, I'll I'll put it this way about Arizona that the January slide is temporary and Arizona will improve in the final two months. I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, I, I think I,
0: despite everything in the last several weeks and and the ridiculousness of some of these losses and performances, and I'm going to include UCLA because they really mm-hmm. had to dig themselves out of a hole at home against UCLA. Yeah. Uh, my mind still hasn't changed about this team is that they can beat anyone when they're on and they, and they can lose to anyone when they're off. I do think one thing we've learned is that they rise to a challenge better. Like, like they, they need fans screaming at them on the road, not just a couple thousand, you know, golf clap fans. that can maybe get loud late in the game, like at Oregon state or in Pullman, but fans that are really going to get after them from, from the, the first, uh, jump ball at center court, the tip off that's what that's what term I was trying to think of the tip off uh so you know like against duke or, or against oregon and i think maybe even when they play asu later on in, in tempe they crave that adversity and when they go into a lukewarm environments they just don't perform as well it's not an excuse they should still win you know mm-hmm. and then they have won a couple of those games like against cal they didn't have that problem and against oregon state they started off just fine um but i think that there's there's that part of it and then if you think okay Pack twelve tournament, NCI tournament. That's not going to be an issue in terms of uh, playing on the road. It won't be a true road game. It does concern me a little bit that you know the, the first round of the tournament where it's not quite as loud and a lot of the fans will get behind the the lower seat. It actually concerns me a little bit more that they might not be able to climb out of a a, a hole against a, a bad team in the first or second round. But I think that that they can they can rise to the challenge. They can beat anyone on any given day. They've proven they could lose to anyone on any given day. And what happened in Oregon, in Oregon, even though it was backwards from what we both thought it would be, hasn't changed my mind about anything.
1: All right. Um, one thing that I kind of learned from all of this, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it's temporary, but I want to see Arizona bounce back this week, you know, take care of business against the Northern California schools. You're on the road at the Rocky Mountain schools next week. Oh, That's going um, to be a tough trip. I think you got to get at least one there. But one thing that I kind of learned, you know, after the Oregon state loss, I was thinking, oh, there's no way they beat Oregon. And then the odds makers came out with Arizona minus four and a half. And you're like, well, what do they know that I don't, I'm thinking, I'm taking Oregon on the money line. As I always like to say, the casinos are, are, uh, are so big in Las Vegas for a reason. Uh, and the hotels are so big
0: you, because you, want, you yeah. want to know a secret, Eric. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't gamble as you, as you know, but mm-hmm. for the first time in about six or seven months, I said, you know what? Vera's going to, is just going to lose. I'm going to go ahead and bet against him and make some money. So I bet five bucks or on on the uh, not the money line but the with the points and so at least hey i'm fine with that and if that's what it takes for arizona to keep winning i'm gonna keep doing it i said uh if, if arizona's gonna gonna keep losing the, like this because i almost did it against oregon state and i wish i had because that 18 and a half mm-hmm. point line was ridiculous yeah.
1: yeah
0: uh so i did it against oregon and of course it didn't pay off but i'm fine with that and i might have to keep doing it as long as arizona wins
1: all right. Let's talk about the number of wins for the for the remaining true road games, not including the Pac-12 tournament or the NCAA tournament. Predict the number of wins for Arizona over these last five games: Shane at Utah, at Colorado, at ASU, at UCLA, at USC. How many you got?
0: Yeah. So, and before I get into that, uh, Arizona at this point always always changes has an opportunity for just two more quad one wins in the regular season. And those are the Mountain West schools because okay. it's a uh, a top 75. Net Do the team Mountain schools, on the Not road. Mountain West, but Mountain, mountain excuse me, yeah. Mountain yeah. schools. Yeah. Think, yeah. Sorry. I'm thinking Oregon state and Washington state. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, a split there I think would be okay, but those are their last two chances for, for quad one wins as of now. And then there's ASU UCLA and USC where you're more just trying to dodge landmines. Uh, I think three out of five. You know I, I would be okay with a split at, at the mountain schools um I think as well as aSU's been playing at home I I think that just that kind of environment we talked about where you know the, there's always a lot of UVA of fans of that game and that just gets the ASU fans even louder because they want to defend their their home court um I think that they would probably win that game and then just based on the way the teams are playing right now I think they would beat UC, USC and probably lose that lose UCLA so three yeah. out of five
1: yeah you know what? I agree with everything you just said spot on um, and I, I thought you know I was expecting you to say two, one or two. Uh, if you were to say right now, what seed does Arizona come the big dance?
0: Well, as of right now, and there's a great site called BracketMatrix.com. That I love going to. It's a compilation of all the bracket projections on the web everywhere, and the the latest one, which I think came out on Monday, still has Arizona as a two seed, which is maybe a little bit surprising, but a lot of other teams have been losing too, so that's part of it um i would guess if i had to actually like put a number on it i would guess a three and give or take a seed, because i think they're probably going to suffer a couple more losses and they are one of the things against them even though they have a lot of really quality wins they're the only team in the top 12 right now in in net to have have a quad three loss then that could change also by the end of the season but so i will predict three uh, uh you know give or take one
1: yeah, I don't think it higher than a three, and I think a four seems about right to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little more pessimistic. Um, you know, you're gonna if you lose even two more games, and let's say if you win the Pac-12 tournament, yeah, I could see a three. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't win the Pac-12 tournament, a four. Uh, I'd, I'd see right around there. One of those two seeds. I think you're right. I'd be surprised if they got a two at this point. I think the Oregon State game really, unless they were to go on a winning streak and and, and pretty much win like ten in a row here. I, which I don't probably see happening uh yeah i'd say it too is probably out of the question at this point Real, as far as i'm concerned realistically all right coming up next let us talk to blair willis get his thoughts on everything that's happening inside the arizona athletic department here on wildcat country What's up Wildcat Country, Chris Gronkowski here and I'm at the Ice Shaker Warehouse, the proud sponsor of the Wildcat Country Podcast. and I got something new and exciting to show you. We're talking about the 4G printed University of Arizona shaker bottles with the legacy championships on it. Check it out now at shaker.com. Shane, it's been a long time since we've had our buddy Blair Willis on, former SID for the Arizona football team, among other uh, jobs with the uh, U of A. Blair, glad to have you back on. And if there's anybody that understands the inner workings of an athletic department that we ever have on this program, it's you. Let's just start with the Jed Fish leaving Brent Brennan hire. Do you like the hire? Do you like the staff he's put together? And your thoughts on the overall, um, what the last few weeks have been like with a football
2: team? Yeah, Eric, um, thanks for having me, guys. It's it's great to be back with you. Um, so much has happened since the last time I joined you back in football season. Um, yeah, the, the coaching change was, you know, one of those things that um, I think we all thought was going to come with Jet at some point. This is probably at least a year early um, from what many of us hoped for. Um, but, you know, I really thought the U of A administration did a great job moving quickly. And, um, you know, when the era of the transfer portal and, um, kind of unlimited transfers um, you, you got to move quickly on these things and I was very impressed with what the Arizona administration was able to do in, in going out and getting Brent Brennan um, he's certainly a guy I'm been, I've been very very high on um, he was probably if I had a short list of names back when Jed was hired Brent was probably at the top of my list back in 2020 um, just the type of personality and, and just coaching background and acumen that he has I, I just think that's something that our program is needed. Um, and, you know, to Jed's credit, I thought Jed did a great job connecting with alumni, um, engaging this community. It took a little bit of time for the community to come around and, and support uh, Jed and his program. But once we started winning some games last fall, um, there was a lot of energy around the football program and it really makes Brent, Brendan's job in the short term, probably a little bit easier now coming in because a lot of those relationships with alumni have been built and, and re-engaged and, um, even a little bit of edginess now, I think to some Arizona football fans, we haven't always had edginess. Um, but I think there's been some hostility towards the way jet exited. And, and maybe that's a good thing to, to kind of rally the troops and get everybody behind coach Brennan and and his staff. And, you know, you asked me, Eric, what I think about the staff. I think he's done a really good job, um, you know, with the staff, uh, he's brought a few people over with him from San Jose state, who he's going to feel good about not just in who they coach at their positions, but probably the recruiting connections that they're going to have along the West coast, which I think will be important. Um, I was elated that uh, coach Aquina was going to remain a part of uh, the defensive staff, whatever role that was going to be. And and so then to see him as the defensive coordinator, that tells me two things, one that that he's energized and and ready to be the defensive coordinator. Again, I think some of us may have thought when he first came here as a senior analyst last spring, that maybe he was at the end of his career and, and just kind of, you know, trying to find a place to retire, but um, the way the defense responded last year to Coach Nansen's coaching and Coach Akina's coaching, um, I think there's a fire there, not only amongst those players but in Coach Akina. So I'm glad he's on board. If I have one criticism, and it's not really a criticism of, of Brent Staff, um, I, I do have a question mark a little bit at offensive coordinator with, with Coach Babers coming back. Um, maybe falls a little bit along the question I had with Coach Akina a year ago. You know, does he really want to be a coordinator at this point of his career, and what's his offense going to look like? How's it going to match? the personnel that Arizona has coming back because um, with the offensive linemen returning with Noah Fafita, Ted Earl McMillan, McMillan, um, you know, some of the other young wide receivers um, there's some talent to work with on that side of the ball. And, and um, I'm going to be very interested to see how um, you know, coach Babers and the offensive staff piece this thing together, because if there was one thing Jed did well, it was install a pro style offensive system here that was executed at a very high level um, really at every position that we had this past year. So that's going to be hard to replace, but I'm I'm opt- optimistic they can do that.
0: Yeah, that was one of my thoughts as well, Blair, is that if they're the assistant coach on or the coach on Brennan's staff who might leave the soonest might be Babers just because I'm sure he's angling for another head coaching job and Arizona does well. He could get another group of five offer as soon as uh, uh, next year. But um I, trying to read between the lines a little bit on Jed's exit. I feel like he probably wanted to stay, but the contract extension wasn't getting done. You know, because and, and you know this. Typically, when you agree to a contract extension, you and it, it's announced by the by the media by the athletic department. Uh, it's like it's say it's pending a approval, and this time it didn't happen. And I wonder maybe there was concern that the board of regents wasn't going to approve it, or was going to maybe table it because of the optics with the budget shortfall. And Jets said maybe you know. Maybe I just need to get out of here and take the short thing with Washington, which is offering me more money anyway. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I'm certainly not privy to, you know, really where things stood with, with the extension. I mean, I just based on some third hand knowledge, it, it, it sounded like there was an agreement in place um, and, and even kind of an acknowledgement that because of some optics with the university's overall financial picture, that I think both both sides were willing to kind of put it off a little bit and, and maybe get it a little bit closer um, to, to the February signing date or the start of spring ball. Um, so I think there was a pretty good understanding and agreement there. I really just think that, that Jed, when the opportunity came so quickly, I mean, that it really did develop quickly that week where Coach Saban retired. Um, Greg Byrne in Alabama moved very quickly on Kalen DeBoer from Washington. Uh, it, it became one of those opportunities, maybe with Washington's familiarity with Coach Fish on the West Coast, um, that it was such a natural fit and such an opportunity and how quickly it came that J- Jed really probably had a place like that in mind that he'd want to get to. And he probably didn't think it was going to be as quick as it was, or certainly that maybe at the end of November or after Arizona won the territorial cup, he wasn't thinking Washington's going to be available this year. Um, it just maybe didn't seem like the, the right time or the right opportunity. Um, but when it came available a few weeks back, I just think he, probably had to make a very quick decision it's hard to turn down that money basically doubling your salary not just your salary but your coaching staff everybody that comes with you um, a lot of your support staff that you're going to bring I mean that's really a life-changing opportunity for for a lot of people beyond just coach fish um, the other thing I would say to it is is and we'll probably get to this if we talk a little bit about 2024 Arizona football Arizona's coming off a 10 and 3 season winning at beating out Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl it's probably one of the top five best seasons in school history Um, maybe even as high as the third best season in school history how likely was Arizona to recreate that success again next year strike uh, while the iron's hot into the big 12 yeah Um, and so you know if Jed you know would be concerned about a setback and and the program taking a step back he might be you know is he in the mix for Florida next year if that's open is he in the mix for a Washington type job next year if it becomes available. I really think for coach fish, it just became a, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And yep. I think he probably took a couple missteps on his way out in terms of the, you know, how cordial he was and, and, and really um, being gracious on his exit, but I don't really fault him for taking the position itself. Mm-hmm. I think he could have handled it with a little more grace though.
0: Yeah. I think most Wildcat fans would agree with you on that. Uh, all right, let's transition to to Dave Feke. I think we were all kind of caught off guard when, when we, we saw that news your thoughts on the decision and just your overall thoughts on Dave Hickey as you got to know him when you were working uh, with him in the athletic department.
2: Yeah. um, Probably the timing of that was a little bit surprising. Um, I guess that was last week. Um, I was actually thinking about, um, I don't have a a much of a relationship with Dave and I've been out of the athletic department for almost five years now, but um, I would see Dave typically once or twice uh, a year at, at football games up in the press box. And he was always, you know, great with me. And and uh, I, I was actually thinking about reaching out to him because I thought they did a great job, a fantastic job uh, w- with the coach Brennan hire and moving so quickly and, and making that a very seamless transition, making it easy on our student athletes to make their decisions, whether, you know, a few of them have gone into the portal and, and maybe committed elsewhere, but um, a great majority of our roster has stayed here. And so I just thought Dave in particular had done a really good job uh, on this coaching change uh, in, in keeping a lot of stability. But um, looking at Dave's tenure as, as the athletic director over what I think was just about seven years, uh, I, I really think you kind of look at it in in a couple different contexts. I mean, the first context is he came here at a time of presidential turmoil um, back in 2017. There was a lot of um, criticism of, of President Ann Weaver Hart. Um, she had announced that she was going to leave at the end of her contract, and so we were in the midst of a presidential search. When Dave was hired, I think some people may even forget that, that Dave was actually hired before President Robbins um, officially started. And so I think the, the early part of Dave's tenure was was a little bit rough for him. And I think it, it may have created a little bit of friction amongst different facets of people, whether that was people working in athletics, whether that was donors, boosters, people in the community, um, because you had a few things working, you know, against him taking the time to to do what he wanted to do as the athletic director. One was he had a new president coming in that summer, uh, the summer of 2017. Um, Eventually you get the uh, basketball uh, sanctions and the allegations uh, of the FBI investigation. Then you have a investigation into the head football coach. Um, Much of that became, you know, for nothing that, that year, that fall of 2017, but um, a lot, you know, a lot of that was ongoing that whole season. And and then there was a dismissal of the head coach. So Dave's first year was, was really rough. There was a lot going on. Um, and then not too much longer, maybe once he thinks he's going to get his feet under him, you know, a year or two later, then COVID hits, and, and uh, COVID may for Dave, and I'm not speaking for him, I, I've never spoken to him about this, but um, when everything kind of goes on pause for a, a period of time, um, I think that may have been a reset opportunity for him, and, and really um, probably in alignment with the university, and President Robbins, and, and everybody in the athletic department having to come on board with a reentry plan, and navigating all the hoops of, of the financial burden of no revenues from ticket sales and donations being significantly decreased that year. Um, I think David responded pretty well, um, is my point these last couple of years and and maybe this last year or so handling the conference realignment, uh, getting Arizona into the big 12, um, how quickly he moved on, um, you know, getting coach Brennan here. I mean, maybe some of Dave's finer moments really came here, um, at the end, but, um, Legacies and, and ten years always kind of get measured over the long term. And um, as we look to the future, I think for Arizona, there's a, a changing landscape. I mean, I, the, the landscape has changed so much in Dave's tenure. I mean, from 2017 to where we are now, it's going to change even more in the next five years. So the next athletic director hire is going to be interesting and, and, and a critical one for, for the athletics department.
1: You know, Shane and I didn't talk about this in the first segment, Blair, but um, a name that's been out there. And I actually had a friend who used to work at Fox Sports with John Entz. Uh, I know Jason Shear put the name out there, uh, really was uh, high on him and just said, this is the guy, he's a former team manager under Lute Olson. Uh, this is a guy that makes a lot of sense and he loves Arizona. And I think for me, in hiring another athletic director, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't object to having somebody with Arizona ties, and we know there's a lot of people out there that you know Mac Rhodes at Baylor and uh, Crystal Connie at Texas, Mark Harlan at at Utah that have Arizona ties. But a lot of those guys probably aren't coming. Do you have a name or names that you kind of favor uh, for the, as the future
2: AD? No, but I, I really don't have a, have a name in particular. But but what I do hit uh, hit on Eric is what you just said. I mean, uh, John and somebody from that type of background, you know, whether it's the entertainment industry, television broadcast, um, you know, I believe he has some, uh, some time in, in professional baseball. Um, somebody that has that type of business acumen and, and not just business in the sense of running a business, but the sense of how entertainment and business and operations all kind of collide, I think is important. Um, but really tying the bow to that is the fundraising element. I mean, fundraising's always been important in, in, you know, I think Greg Byrne, I mean, when he first came to Arizona, you know, tried to make fundraising even more of a priority than it had ever been at Arizona. Um, kind of, you know, 10 years later, 12 years later from the time when Greg started now, um, we're we're in financial times that are different than they've probably ever been at this level of, of, you know, whether it was Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10. I mean, you just look at the divide across the country of major college athletic departments in, in that Financial piece of it is so significant now, and whether it's you know Dave Hickey, um, you know Greg Byrne, uh, whether you know it was Rich Rodriguez is a football coach, Kevin Sumlin, you know different leaders sort of sometimes are preferred by different segments of the of the booster population. You know you know some that kind of have their guy and they're always going to support them, and as soon as their guy's out you know, they're going to pull their support back and someone else is going to put their support behind their guy. I actually think that Arizona might be in a situation with some consistency with Tommy Lloyd in basketball, a guy that a lot of people seem to like. I think Brent Brennan's going to be very likable. Um, I think there's a lot of motivation for people maybe rallying this donor base and and whether that's season ticket holders or the big-time boosters, I think we need somebody to come in here that can kind of rally everybody together and understand the landscape now, understand NIL, understand transfer portal, understand whatever Congress or the court systems, you know, pass on down to us. Is it student athletes becoming employees? You know, you need a new modern sort of way of thinking and handling all the issues that are taking place, but understanding how money is going to be a necessary driver for making those things possible. Um, It's a different, it's a different animal now. It's a different, you know, my experience in an athletic department five years ago, and I was there for almost 15 years, is a different animal now. And so if, if, if the universities, and, and in particular Arizona, doesn't continue to adapt its leadership style, and if it doesn't adapt its approach to fundraising, it's going to be hard to survive. I hate to say that, but it's just going to be really hard to survive. So my priorities, I don't have a person in particular, Eric, but I think fundraising is very important. And I think somebody that's got a sense of business entertainment, connecting with the modern fan, the modern, you know, person that's going to go spend disposable income to go watch events in person. There needs to be somebody that can connect with those people because we got to get Arizona stadium filled. We got to keep McHale center filled. We got to keep high Corbett and Hillenbrand those places filled. And uh, it's going to take a pretty innovative leader for that. All right. This one's going to be a tough one for you, but do
1: the best you can with it. Um, There have been rumors, obviously, of a budget shortfall and some cuts in the athletic department, including potentially sports um just your thoughts I, I I don't want to have you name sports I mean because that's tough to say you know which how do you prioritize which sports or whatnot what do you personally expect to come from this do you think that the cuts will be major in your personal opinion minor just any thoughts you have on that
2: yeah very naive perspective you know I, I don't have any inside information on this but um I I would expect that the athletic department and the university will have support it as much as it can to, to not cut anything in, 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 the short term, um, that would be optimal, um, longer term, maybe there's con- some considerations about what needs to be done longer term. And, and you have, um, a major roadblock to that, a major roadblock being title nine in terms of, you know, you can't just go, let's take uh, both tennis programs away because it doesn't, you know, and I'm just picking tennis because there's a men's team and a, and a women's team. So, um, you're proportionally going to have to work within title nine in terms of the funding, the scholarships. Um, and, and you can't just, you're not just going to go tit for tat is what I'm saying, because, well, even like in men, in basketball, you know, men's basketball has fewer scholarships than women's basketball. So even just looking at the sports, there's some, um, you know, the, the proportions aren't always equal men's and women's because it has to align in with title nine and the NCAA rules. Um, you know, I think you look at a, at a sport like men's men's and women's swimming and diving. I mean, there's, Um, a huge facility cost there uh, to maintain a pool Um, you have pretty large rosters i don't know exactly what their scholarship counts out are now but you know again i think if you're thinking long term of a sport that you know doesn't make the most financial sense for us to continue to support maybe that's you know a sport like that um you know i don't know I, i i don't think the university wants to cut teams we they just added you know triathlon a year ago um but as you look at travel logistics um, with a new conference, um, not just, again, what the next, say, five years look like, but what our conference is going to look like, you know, 10 years from now. I mean, I think there's a lot of long term financial considerations that would go into cutting a sport. I don't think and I don't, maybe it's just because I don't want to believe that there would be a quick reaction to cut a sport because you're really not in the big picture talking about a lot of money short term cutting a smaller Olympic sport. Um, long-term there may be some strategy there behind facility costs and other support and resources where it would add up and it some sense, but as a short-term reaction, I hope that's not the case right now.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree with you, especially because, I mean, we have, you've know, alumni who have, who have meddled in, in swim and dive. So it mm-hmm. would be a, be a shame to see that go. Uh, my last question for you, Blair, and it's a more fun one. Uh, we, we made our, uh, or very early predictions for Arizona football going into next season. Uh, Eric's a little more optimistic than I am. The schedule came out earlier today as we're recording, uh, how many wins you see on there for Arizona? Yeah, I, I was hoping you would
2: ask me this and I've tried to think about it today since that schedule came out. It was it's fun to see a, a new schedule and, and start thinking about fall of 2024. Uh, I can't make a prediction, uh, on the schedule because the roster is not complete. I mean, it's, um, you know, I'll I'll retrace my steps a little bit to last year. I was optimistic coming off five and seven. I thought, okay, the defense showed a little bit of improvement at the end. I knew we were going to have a really good offense. So I was optimistic that Arizona could get, you know, bowl eligible. And then I watched a a spring practice or two and I, and we had big Bill Norton was, was here, Tyler Manoa, uh, Justin Flo on defense. We had a few more, you know, bodies on the defensive side of the ball. And I thought, yeah, okay. It's still looking like, we're progressing to a team that can go to a bowl game. We forget that after spring ball, it was at April or May, we got commitments from uh, you know, CO no Tatoa, a big defensive lineman from Indiana that transferred in. Taylor Upshaw, who had gone to Colorado for spring football. He then transferred down to Arizona. Um, those were a couple of critical pieces of the defense as I saw it. And so I really didn't feel sold on our defense probably until, you know, May when I really started to look at what could the two deep look like? Do we have enough depth on the defensive line? Do we have enough depth at linebacker? Um, It it, it takes these rosters a long time to, to round out into form. Uh, Even two years ago, uh, Jed brought in uh, um, DJ Williams, a running back from, um, you know, the transfer portal very late over the summer. And it was almost one of those questions of, well, did we really need a running back at that time? And then, I mean I actually think he's going to be one of the harder bodies for this team to replace on offense because of his impact in the fourth quarter of games. So, um, you know, when I look at the schedule today, I don't know because I don't know what the roster is going to look like. There's going to be players that are that have stayed up with this team that are going to go through spring ball and there's probably going to be some that want to transfer after spring ball. Um, there's going to be an opportunity for players all around the country in April to transfer and I would imagine coach Brennan's team uh, staff's going to be very, you know, aggressive and strategic in terms of getting some bodies in here they want. So, I have to take a rain check on a prediction. I mean, I on the surface I feel good about everybody that that's said they're they're coming back, you know, led by Noah and T Mac and, T-Mac and, and uh, Jacob Manu and and those guys. But um, to say we're going to go eight and four or nine and three or you know whatever it might be, I just can't do that today. There's there's too much of this roster to round out um, before I can make a good prediction on that. So I'm sorry right. to ruin that. I'm going to put you on the spot for this last question
1: then. Which is more likely? To you, which outcome is more likely? Arizona men's basketball makes the final four. Arizona baseball makes the college world series at Omaha. Uh, Arizona softball makes it to Oklahoma City. Or Arizona football makes, not wins, but makes the Big 12 championship game.
0: Can I answer that one too? And when he's, when yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. That's that's a good question. I, I you know, I, I guess I probably am going to have to take, and this might be one of the harder ones to actually do because you got to do it in two weeks' time but I, I might just take the basketball team because i you know i you can probably get hot for four games and get to the final four um i don't know a ton about the baseball and softball rosters yet it's tough to get the the world series i'm not sure about the pitching on both of those programs and um i think the big 12 is going to be a little bit harder um than most most people are giving it credit for i think it's going to be a a to win that league there's going to be a there's going to be 10 teams that can probably go to a bowl game next year. It's going to be hard to win that league. So I'll go final four because I, I still think this team's got a six weeks to really get this thing clicked into gear this year.
0: Shame? Yeah, yeah Blair pretty much said everything I was going to say. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if, if Jed was still there with that roster, I, I think that it would be a very, very tough decision between football and basketball. Uh, but at this point, I think you have to go final four. And I'm not predicting it. Don't get me wrong. Just because we've, you know, hasn't happened since 2001. Yeah. And it's just tough to get there. Um, But I think that's the most likely scenario at this point. It is just, you know, it's, it's not easy, but it is simple. You get in and you win a few games and, and that's, and that, that's how it has to happen in football. I think it's less likely baseball and softball. I agree with Blair's assessment there. So yeah, probably uh, uh, men's hoops. uh, Final four is the most likely out of the four, even though I, I cringe when I say it because, you know, for reasons we've talked about.
1: Clean sweep with that question. You know what I'm going to say? Uh, I think Blair said it best. It takes, you get hot at the right time, you win four games, you make the final four. We're not saying win the national championship, but football is a long season. It's, it's three and a half months uh, before you'd make it to, or three full months before you'd make it to the championship game and a lot of roster building to go. So Blair, great to catch up with you. I'm sure we'll have you on. Uh, Closer to spring ball, give us your analysis of what you think, but off to a good start. So great catching up with you. Thank you both. Shane, I'll tell you what, on Saturday, uh, that game was cringeworthy throughout. I mean, when it was, what, uh, 32 to 13 or thereabouts, uh, I mean, it's a great, great win. But that game was hard to watch.
0: It, it, it was and I'm not shocked because UCLA was fi- was finally starting to put things together that they looked more like the team that we expected this season. Uh, I wasn't shocked well I was I was surprised they fell behind by as much as they did um I wasn't surprised it was close late. I'm surprised at kind of the path the game took and Tommy Lloyd said after the game he and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, look if this game was anywhere else we wouldn't have won was yeah. It was a classic case. Like we talked about a lot of the McHale center crowd dragging the team past the finish line. So they're going through a funk right now. I think the common denominator is Kylan Boswell. Arizona has been able to overcome bad performances from Caleb Love. But when Kylan Boswell doesn't play well, they really struggle. Now, Saturday was an exception. They found a way to win anyway. And Boswell did make the great play, the steal, and then the three-pointer on the other end. But that was pretty much it. So it, as Kyle and Boswell go, so will the Arizona Wildcats going forward and hopefully he'll be able to figure things out pretty soon.
1: All right. So would you say by yourself that the way Arizona won Saturday's game was necessary and it, because it showed that they can rally from a large deficit, which might be a necessary evil come March.
0: Uh, I'll sell it just because I think we already know they're capable of going on big runs. They've come from behind late in games. Not, not that big a margin, but I don't know if it was necessary to win like that. I'm glad they did win. And that's all that really matters. But. uh I don't think it was. I I just put it this way. I can't find many positives in falling behind that much against an average UCLA team at home like
1: it was. It was terrible. I mean, it was. It was the the win was great, and maybe this will fire him up going into this weekend. We'll make our picks here shortly. Uh wanna point this out. Uh there's some rumors from the UCLA message boards that uh Mick Cronin and the UCLA program have no intention of playing in McHale Center anytime soon because of the hostility of the Arizona fans. Any oh, comments that?
0: is that the official reason or is it just apparently the, they, yeah they get their butt kicked and, and Mick Cronin has to blame the yeah. refs every time.
1: Well, of course, but but he doesn't like the hostility of the fans, apparently.
0: Uh well then good luck in the Big Ten, Mick. Uh and good and good luck dealing with, with some bigger guys there in the Big Ten who are gonna you know move your guys around on the paint and then you can blame the refs every single night. No, I, it's I fine. If they want to, if they want to act like that, that's fine. But you know,
1: yep. tough, uh, tough uh, the women's team uh, since we, you know, I think a few weeks ago, you're like, Hey, they got a chance to make the tournament big weekend coming up. Whether they lost four or five in a row, uh, we we just we just stick the fork in them.
0: Are we done? Several by very close games, except for the last one. No, not yet. Surprisingly, just because they still have they still have a lot of chances for big wins. Uh, So, is is there a bigger issue with the women's team? Maybe we'd love to talk to Coach Barnes about it at some point. You know, I saw my Najee like some tweets about the you know some sort of issues within the program, but um now not done yet definitely on the outside looking in but uh i would not put the final nail in the coffin as far as ncaa tournament hopes just
1: uh i'm sticking the fork in uh you can you can say good night there uh and i'm kind of bummed we haven't had a dia on i know we've tried for months and you know there's a lot we haven't we
0: we haven't reached out for a little while i'll we'll we'll try to get her on again it's just been so many other things to talk about it's been yeah
1: and i agree the football team you know obviously and basketball teams had a great run yeah, you know, there's a problem in that program. I don't think uh, there there are some issues there. I I don't know what's when when you see the amount of players and coaches that that, that have churned out of this program, there are problems. And this team is playing very hard. It's, there's know. no question about that. They are they are playing. We've
0: had teams. some injury issues as well, but you yeah. bet.
1: I mean, they're down to eight eight players. I mean, essentially, and but they're playing really hard. So I really commend the players that are out there. But this team, this program has problems. And something needs to be fixed. All right, let's make some picks. Uh, we have uh, five things that we're going to pick. We did not count last week's because we had a lot going on with Brennan. We did not expect that. Start with a Pac-12 unranked road win, Shane. Which way are you going here?
0: Uh, I'm going to go with UCLA over USC. You know, Bruins, like I said, started to put it together. UCLA still has injury issues. So that, that's my, uh, my road win for the week.
1: Boy, USC is a disaster right now. Uh, th- that's an interesting pick. I'm going ASU over Oregon State. You can pretty much assume how I'm go- what I'm going to do with uh, Arizona against the Beavers as well. ASU is actually not bad. Uh, yeah. When I, when we saw them in person, they were dreadful. But yeah. I'm kind of impressed with what I've seen. Three way tie
0: for first in the conference right now with Oregon and Arizona. Yep.
1: All right. Top twenty five loss against an unranked team. What do you have, Shane?
0: Uh, I'm going to take a couple teams. Arizona's beaten here. I'm going to uh, take Michigan State over Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin was on a roll until they slipped up at Penn State last week. They just barely got by Minnesota on the road. Michigan State's won three in a row. They lost a very close game at uh, Illinois a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to go with the Spartans to get the road win.
1: I'm going Boise State over number 18, Utah State. Boise State at home has been really, really good. I think they, yeah. they lost their first game at home in like the last 25 or something like that uh the other week i think they will bounce back pretty darn pretty good team might have a chance to make the tournament out of the mountain west so i'm gonna go with them my top 10 loss against an unranked team going alabama to pull an upset midweek upset over number eight auburn how about you like it
0: i like it yeah not a lot to choose from i like yours the best probably but if i have to pick another one i'll go with kansas state over houston uh k-state's four and one in the big 12 they just beat baylor not a lot of great options but i'll go with that one all right, let's talk
1: about uh, Arizona at Oregon State on uh, Thursday night, 9 o'clock game, 8 o'clock local up up in the Pacific Northwest. How do you feel about the Wildcats' chances against the Beavers team that has lost five in a row?
0: Lost five in a row, last place in the Pac-12. They are 9-2 and two at home. Um, only one game during their current losing streak was at home, and that was overtime. an overtime loss to Stanford. If Arizona's thinking about Oregon already and, and disregarding Oregon State, they're going to find themselves in another close game on the road. You know, Jordan Pope, Oregon State's leading scorer, struggled at Utah and Colorado. Uh, but he did. He had scored 20-plus points in four in, uh, four straight games before that. He's a good three-point shooter, good free-throw shooter. I think he's going to come back home and play well against Arizona. I'm going to take the Wildcats to win, but I think it's going to be close. I'm taking like five to six points.
1: All right. I'm going to take uh, the Wildcats by 12. I think Arizona is going to play with some momentum coming off that performance on Saturday and uh, and you know put it on Oregon state early and often i you know i love wayne tinkle I think he's the best coach in the I conference i know you do yes i've said that for years nothing against you tommy lloyd uh just my uh love for wayne tinkle listen when you can get that team the other year that did not belong in the tournament and get them to the elite 8 i'm sold for life uh i, I think sorry wayne i'm picking arizona by double digits here now on saturday they're going to eugene and the ugliest court in college basketball mm. Shane, I think Oregon, I know Oregon lost both games uh, to the Mountain Schools last week, uh, Colorado and Utah. It's a tough trip. Oregon was, yep, yeah, it's a tough trip. Arizona's going to have that trip in a few weeks. I do not like their chances this weekend. I think for, for this particular game, I'll take Oregon by eight. I I I, I need to see more from Arizona. And yeah. I'm going with the Ducks here. I, and it's the first time I've picked against Arizona all year, I think.
0: Yeah. I, I you know I think Arizona's going to be up a bit more for this one just because I think it's going to have more of a big game kind of feel. Oregon has uh, one of the best home court advantages in the Pac-12 outside of McHale Center. Mm-hmm. And Arizona just typically doesn't win there. And Oregon hasn't lost a game at home this season. They're one of four teams that hasn't. And Arizona still has to visit the other three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon's a good three-point shooting team. They are last in the Pac-12 in field goal percentage defense. So I think uh, – Arizona's going to make some shots. I think it's going to be a close game back and forth. I just think Oregon's home court edge is going to be a bit too much to overcome. I'm going to take the ducks by, I'll I'll say five points.
1: All right. Um, Listen, if Arizona wins this game, that's what I need to see going into uh, a home to into home dates against the Northern California schools next Mm. week. The, you got to beat Oregon state on Thursday. There are absolutely no excuses to lose that game. You're the number nine team in the country. When it comes to the Oregon game, play the game close. It's a very, very, it's a tough place to play regardless. It's a good Oregon team that's fighting for a chance in the tournament. Just, I don't have a good feeling. Give us your picks. You know, let us know what you think. Put it on Twitter. Put it on our YouTube page. And uh, we'll see if you're more correct. Maybe we'll give away something if you nail it right on. I don't know. If you if you put a score prediction, you nail it right on. Maybe we'll, we'll hit up Chris Gronkowski. By the way, if you buy an ice shaker uh, this week, and we always appreciate if you do that make sure to mention wildcat country in the post production survey or it's, the post purchase survey yeah uh, as we always uh, appreciate that but more content coming i mean there's a lot going on you never know when a bonus episode of wildcat country may pop up shane and i did a couple last week you don't know when you're going to see another one but for shane dale i'm eric cohen thanks for listening it's always entertaining in wildcat country and as always bear down